ברוכים הבאים בשם השם ולחנוכם לבית השם Welcome to our weekly shir This week We're wishing again Moshe Sani happy birthday. I hope big time. I have to give my confessions. Chaim, his birthday was yesterday. However, on uh, Monday night when he made his Fabringen, Tuesday night, excuse me, Monday night, right. Monday night was for bringing. I needed to. Uh, that's enough. I needed to send off my son to camp. It's Baruch Hashem. My wife, Zayn is in England looking after her new granddaughter. So. I had to, with all the help of my daughters here, the packing and the um, spiritual send-off that was required. Unfortunately, I cannot leave the house. I didn't make it to this Febrengen. I have to, I home big time this time, so I didn't make it Shabbos to this so, I'll have to make it to Zechayim soon. They should help. We should not have Zechayim soon. So that will make make it. But in other. Amen. This week's Pashas Pinchas. We also have now started the three weeks. Mm. Known in Shulchan Aruch as Bein Hamitzarim, the three weeks range starting yesterday, Shivas Betamuz, <coughs> ending on, Shiv- on Tisha B'av in three weeks from yesterday. Three weeks are weeks of mourning. We spend time in mourning the destruction of the temple and ultimately culminating in the actual destruction which took place for both the first and second temple on Tishabav. But not like Tish, unlike Tishabav, that we sit on the floor and that we mourn and we lament with the Eicha, etc., and the Kinos. During the three weeks, we have certain limitations to Simcha. One should not listen to music, 
One should not cut their hair. Obviously not make a wedding. Engagements are allowed. And we have many other laws that are relevant to these three weeks. However, when we refer to these three, these twenty-one days, we use the words of the prophet Yehafu Yam Elul Asasin Asimchach. These days should be reversed. Turned over, literally speaking. Days of happiness and rejoicing. Mm-hmm. Ironically, the Lushen of the Shachnarach, the Lushen of the Jews, Yehovchu, referring to turning over, is used also when it comes to the happiest day of the year. The happiest day of the year. Oh, there's fresca in Atlanta. There's none in Brooklyn. It was forgotten today. Forlorn, forsaken. They didn't get down that aisle. I know. I'm settling grapefruit juice. It works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. The word Yehavku to turn over. It's also in reference to Megillus Esther when it talks about Purim Vinahapechu also turned over and again there was a case a scenario as well where the Jews were, the, were frightened forlorn, felt forsaken and they needed a total reversal you can hear me, Skype froze. We're working on it. A total reversal of their situation, a total reversal of their life, a total reversal of the decree set up by the wicked Haman. Ultimately, because of this total reversal, because of the total U-turn,
we celebrate the holiday of Purim. And so with great anticipation, therefore, these days as well should speedily, before we get anywhere near Tisha B'Av, turn around and be transformed to days of happiness and joy. It is customary that Rebbe asked, that Rebbe instituted, that during the three weeks we should learn laws pertaining to Beis HaBechira, to the house of Yerushalayim, chosen house, the house of the temple. There are many different sources from which to learn these laws. Once of, one, of course, as we talk laws, we refer to the Rambam, who is The master of halachas. It's mine. The next is the Mishnayis, where the Tanoim discuss all the laws that went on in the Beis Hamikdash, and that's the Mishnayis Maseches Midos. And then ultimately, from the scriptures, from the book of Yechezkel. We will incorporate in the course of this year, a tidbit from each portion, each thing of the halachis. It is of course preferable, not only on Wednesday nights, but all the rest of the nights of the, or days of the three weeks, to hear an actual shear on the Hilchas Beis HaBechira. I believe you can hear it on the radio. I'm sure there's something online. And there's definitely something on WEVD. If anyone has any remember recollection of what that is, with Art Raymond Simcha, yes. Are you getting this back? It's on. Pinchas 
a very rich parsha. Many different laws, many different historical points. The historical point of Meish Rabbeinu transferring his mantle to Yeshua something that Moshe Rabbeinu himself would not have done physically prior to his passing the Jews would never be able to come to terms with it although Yeshua was the number one choice not really as hard as with Aaron Akayin's passing. Moshe's passing left the Jews in a very, very great turmoil and would have left them in a very deep depression had it not been for Yeshua. tells us to learn from the son of Aaron Akoyin. I get away from these people when I show up. I don't need to see this. Thank you. Son of Aaron Akoyin, to know that all halachas, all facts in life, all decisions are made through Hashem. All decisions are made from God and therefore he was told to reference and cross-reference always with Elazar, the son of Aaron. In the Parsha also we have a discussion of different Yom Tevim the reading of the Teda, Rishchidosh. 
Pinchas is most famous for Kanoi is Kinosi Besechom. Pinchas avenged a sin that was sinned directly against God. Pinchas was the one that was given as Brisi Sholoim. For those of you that got last week's text, you'll know that Moshe and his nephew were brothers-in-law. They were both married to the daughters of Yisrael. Turn on the air conditioner. They were both married to daughters of Yisrael. And therefore, neither of them were able to stand up now and to protest against what was being done. The grave sin of Zimri. Pinchas, however, took it upon himself. Pinchas being a zealot. And he took it upon himself to take care of the right this wrong. And he goes in turn and he kills Zimri and Cosby. There are many different explanations on the Torah that tell us what happened to Pinchas. We do know one thing most importantly. Pinchas now became a Koyen. After the this killing of these two people, Pinchas became a Kayin. He was not in the status of Kayin beforehand. But now took on the status of a Kayin. One of the opinions is that Pinchas, when he killed this Nasi, the Shafid, he died. And because he died, because he died, his neshama went out, since his holy soul left his body, and needed to be replaced. <coughs> According to one opinion, his soul was replaced by the soul of Nodav and Abiyu. The children of Aaron that passed away. And therefore, in turn, he was now a Kayan. Again, the Shamas don't work that way. The Shamas are not in a, in a uh, shelf, they don't come out of a locker. The Shamas are taken, the Chelek and the Kavim al Mamish. They're part of God. When a Shamas is put into a body, 
it's not a an entity. It's not a, a you know a, a, a bag. We empty this bag of, of potion into this uh, glass. The mocker of his neshamas are both from another one of you. The source came from the children of Aaron. And therefore he became now a Kayin. However, even the, not even, the Almighty shows us that even someone who avenged his problem, avenged his issue, avenged something that he was so touched by and affected by. Not that the Almighty could be affected, not that something touches the Almighty, God forbid. It was so important to the Almighty, though, that this be taken care of. But still it says, What did he do for me? He retracted my anger. And he did as brisi shalom. My bris of peace. My pact of peace. He caused here. However the Almighty said, Because it was done so severely, because someone died from this, the word shalom, peace, is written in the Torah with a broken vav. One of the letters of this word, shin lamed vav mem, in the Torah is written with a broken letter. The, me, the vav is broken. Now truth to be told, a Torah scroll a mezuzah. I'm sorry. Does it know who gave it to me? No. Again? A Torah scroll or a mezuzah that has a cracked letter in it is possible. It's possible, it's unfit. But yet. Go turn to my In order for the Torah scroll to be fit, this letter Vav has to be cut, has to be broken. The Almighty says, I'm willing to sacrifice. The perfect figure in my Torah scroll so that one should see that the only way I can have peace if it's full and if it's whole and if there's only love and caring. If God forbid there is any anguish, any pain, any hatred, says the Almighty, this is not a true peace. In this week's Parsha, we have a Parsha within the Parsha. What Parsha is there within the Parsha? Pinchas. The Parsha is Pinchas, 
And the parsha within the parsha is the story of the daughters of Tzalafchad. The daughters of Tzalafchad came before Moshe Rabbeinu. And they had a major issue. They said, Avinu Meis, our father has died. Does someone on Skype have a mic on in their on their phone on their Skype? Please turn it off. It's disrupting. The children of Slavchad were only girls. Slavchad was killed for whatever reason it was. And now that the Jews were entering the Holy Land and everyone had to get their portion in the Holy Land, Tzlovchot's mm. portion was of, of suspect. Where is it going to go? Who is going to receive it? And how will it work? And therefore... They came to Meshe Rabbeinu. Where's the plug for the phone? And they said to Meshe, Avinu Meis, our father has died, ain't bonim, and he has no sons. He has no heirs to inherit him. What will be the, what is our law? What is our din? What is the properties of our father? Where will they go? Ironically, Meshe Rabbeinu was suffering from a punishment. What was Meshe Rabbeinu's punishment? Meshe Rabbeinu had said to the Jewish nation, anything that will be difficult to you and that you will not understand, you should bring to me. And the Almighty said to you, who are you? You're a human being. It can't be brought to you. It has to be brought before the Almighty. Even if you have the knowledge and you understand and you have the answer, don't ever say it's from you. It's all from Torah, from God. And therefore, the punishment that he now suffered, when the daughters of Tzalafchad approach him and ask, what will be the law of our father's land? He forgot the answer. He forgot the answer and therefore he turns to the Almighty and says, what do I answer them? And therefore another portion in the Torah was added. Therefore another portion. <coughs> this story of the daughters of Salafkar and its laws. The laws that the Almighty passed down to Moshe Rabbeinu. Juice? It's good, it's cold, it's like slush. Who was Slavchad? 
Rashi tells us. Rashi tells us. What did they say, the daughters? They said, Avinu Mace, our father died in the desert. But, he was not amongst the people of Kerach. People of Kerach died, yes. But he was not amongst those sinners. Says Rashi, since they came to say that he sinned, he died from his own sin. Therefore, they also say the words that he was not from the people that came to fight and with the people of Kerach. From his own sin, he died. Slavchad. We were just talking about it. The one whose daughters came to complain they needed the land. We're soon going to hear who he was. We're soon going to hear who he was. He sinned his own sin and what is so relevant by the words he sinned his own sin? Rashi explains from his own sin he did not bring anyone else to do any kind of sin. There are times that people sin and they bring down a lot of people with them. Yes, put on a smile on your face. Have a smiley cookie. <laughs> but not he. Not Salafkod. He sinned and confessed the sinning. But the sin that he sinned was not affecting anyone else. What was the sin? There is a dispute. Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says his sin was Mekoshesh Eitzim Hoyo. He was the fellow that went out on Shabbos and gathered wood, cut, chopped and gathered wood. And because he desecrated the Shabbos, he was now Chayev Misi, was killed, he was put to death. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, He was from the Mapilim, translate. Think about it. You gotta tell the whole story. This is not, uh, Let us explain to you though, Bishita, what is Rabbi Akiva saying and what is Rabbi Shimon saying? Who are Rabbi Akiva and who is Rabbi Shimon? When they explain to us and they give their opinion, who was Salafkad? It's based on. It's based on. Their opinion of how they live their lives. Rabbi Akiva was somebody that always found merit for other people. Is this with Pasha Rabbi Akiva? This Rashi. And the Kaishish That's why I gave this Rabbi Akiva. 
Those keeping score at home. In the Gemara Sanhedrin, Daf Kuf Yud Amid Beis, 110, side 2. In the Rashi, it's explained that this is why Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that he was Mekoshesh Eitzim. Because it is a much lesser sin from those who are the Mapilim. <laughs> For the sin of the Makeshish, nobody else took place. He himself did it. So there was no suspicion that, God forbid, anybody else was brought to sin. Masha'en came the story of the Mapilim, Mapilim itself. The word itself is plural. And therefore tells us that they were a group. Masha'enke, when it comes to Rabbi Shimon, where he was called Reshtayma de Kro, he was the one that gave reason of the Pasuk. And again, if you're keeping score at home, the tractate Gitin 49, side 2, Memtesam and Beis. Where it says, He was from the Mapilim. Because this explanation we find in the words of Bnei Slavchad. What did the daughter say? In his sin he died. Thereby telling us, Hello? Yeah. Shalom Shalom. Maybe? But I'm going to show Okay. That's scary. That he sinned with his own sin. That although he had a part of the land of Yisrael, he was not a revolutionary, not ready to go into the Holy Land. But rather, he had land there, he wanted to go in. He died for the land itself. The Torah tells us, for these you should divide the land. There's a story told of the holy Baal Shem Tov. He once came to an inn with his students. It was late at night. And in that inn there was a wedding going on. But the Baal Shem Tov was not participating in the wedding. Rather he retired to his quarters. The next day, when the Baal Shem Tov was ready to leave the inn, at the same time, the wedding party was ready to leave the inn. And as they were all standing outside, the birds were chirping, and the Baal Shem Tov turned to his students and said, Do you know what those birds are saying? The birds are saying the Pasuk, Le'ele Techale Ka'oretz, which is what we just referred to, 
These are the ones that you will divide the land with. The students were a little perplexed, to say the least, not understanding or grasping what the Holy Baal Shem Tov was referring to. The couple got married, the couple stayed married, Baruch Hashem, they had children, they had grandchildren. As they got older, the husband decided he wanted to move to the Holy Land, he wanted to settle in Eretz Yisrael. However, the wife said, I cannot leave my children. So the wife refused to leave her children who are not living in Israel, and the man refused to stay out of Israel. He wanted to live his last years in Israel and to die and bury in Israel. So they came before a judicial rabbinical court. The rabbis heard out the case and said, you cannot stop him from going to Israel and you cannot force her from going with you to Israel. And therefore divide up what you have, give her a get and get out and go to Israel. <laughs> Word got out to one of the students that was there when this happened by the Baal Shem Tov. And when the student heard what happened to the couple, he understood what the Baal Shem Tov said the day of their wedding. From this couple, because of this couple, they will be divided because Oretz, because of the Holy Land. And that's exactly what happened. They ended up getting divorced over the Holy Land. The appointment of Yeshua, as we spoke before, was a very, very relevant one. When it's Sadiq, a Nasi Hader, a ruler of a generation passes away. The generation must have a leader to lead them. The world must have a leader. When the Baal Shem Tov was Nifta Nistalik, he had a son, Reb Tzvi. And immediately it was accepted by everyone that Reb Tzvi should be the Nasi. And for one year after the Baal Shem Tov's Estalkos, his son Reb Tzvi led the Jewish, led the Hasidim. On the first yard site, on Shavuos, the first anniversary of his passing, Reb Tzvi called over the Mazich Magid, Reb Dever Mazich. Reb Tzvi removed his white robe and he put it on Reb Dever and said, Now on you are the one that will lead. And the Magid didn't turn back, the Magid didn't say anything, the Magid took it, understood, and moved on. And the Chassidim then followed the Magid. It's amazing to hear such a story. To be a Rebbe, to become a Rebbe, Ein Melech Bleam. Our sages tell us a king cannot be a king if there's no nation. If there's no people saying, we want you, 
We ordain you, we crown you as our king. He's not king. You can't wake up in the morning and say, I'm the king of the cockroaches. There has to be a nation that declares the person to be king. So, some people can deny and can push it away and say, no, 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 it's fine. I don't deserve it, I don't want it, etc. The fellow is here. That Tzvi had the Malucha. He was the Nasi and he gave it away. To have it already, accept it already, and then give it up, that's a shock. Chassidim of the Magid, the Magid, as we said, lived in Mazrich. And some of Chassidim, who lived far away, approached him once and said, Rebbe, it's very difficult for us. The journey is arduous. It's so hard and harsh. And we can't see you as often as we'd like to. And we need sometimes that spiritual boost. What should we do? The Magad handed them a robe, a gartel, and a staff. And he told them, on your way back, not far from your city, is a city called Vitebsk. Go and find Reb Mendel in Vitebsk, and give this to him, and tell him that he should be your oasis. He should be the one that you will come to when you can't get to me. They traveled to Vitebsk, but there was no Reb Mendel to be found. Who's Reb Mendel? We don't know. Reb Mendel. Nobody's called Reb unless there's something substantial. Unless there's somebody. Just call somebody Reb Mendel. It's got to be somebody. So the question became, who is he? And they followed around and around in circles, trying to locate this Reb Mendel. It was fruitless. They were getting nowhere. Until finally, a woman approached them and said, who are you looking for? said, we're looking for Reb Mendel. A holy Jew. Obviously, had to be holy. The Maggid sent him these things. And she said, I don't know about a holy Jew or not. My son-in-law is Mendel. Menachem Mendel. Come see him. And they went in and they entered into the house and they told him that the Maggid said, we should give you this. And that you should be a Rebbe. Immediately he, uh, he, adorned, he adorned himself with the robe. He tied himself with the gartel. Took the staff in hand. And had a total transformation. A total transformation to the extent that everybody didn't recognize him. This wasn't the same person they knew before who looked like such a simple Jew, and now you can see the venerability, the holiness of this Jew. Similarly, when the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitch Rebbe, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, but the son-in-law of the Mitle Rebbe, the second Rebbe. And when the Mitle Rebbe was nostalgic, 
and they needed to choose a new Rebbe, many people flocked to the Tzemach Tzedek. But the Tzemach Tzedek said, there's an uncle, go talk to my uncle. The Mitla Rebbe had a brother, he's more fit to take this on than I. And when they came to the uncle, the uncle was total denial and said, nothing doing. He is the one you have to get. I will go with you as well. And when they returned to the Tzemach Tzedek, the Tzemach Tzedek said, I don't know enough of the secrets of Teda to be a Rebbe. To which the Hasidim answered, First, the Mishnah says, when they send us the Malchus, you give him first the kingship, and then umegalin the Rosi the Tera, and then he's revealed to the secrets of Tera. Become a king, become a Rebbe, and you will see everything will open to you. But the Tzavach Tzedek did not just give up so easy. He turned to them and said, if my grandfather, who I was so close with, would have wanted me to be a Rebbe, he would have told me so. Why did he never tell me? At which point, the uncle told him a story. When you were little, you were very, very ill. And in that illness, you fell into a delirium. Like a coma. And in your deep sleep, you had a dream. And it made you scream. And when you woke up, the Al-Tareb asked you, what happened? And you said, I had a dream. Many Jews were gathered, and there was a Sefer Teda. And the Sefer Teda fell Rachman to the ground. And everybody ran to pick it up, but nobody was able to lift it. I pushed my way through and I lifted it. The Altarebbe smiled and said to him, You lifted it. And therefore the uncle said, When the Altarebbe told you, you lifted it, he gave you that time the hint that you will be the one to lift up and to carry the Jews, to carry the Chassidei Chabad. Take a little detour to, as we spoke before, the inyanim that have to do with the three weeks, that have to do with the Hilchas Beis HaBechira. Yecheskel Hanavi went on a spiritual journey. And he was taken from his house one strong day with a strong spiritual spirit and he was brought to the Harabayas and as he was brought there he was shown by an angel the entire construction of the holy temple every chamber every roof every wall and the Navi tells us Cheskel tells us When I was brought there, 
This man that looked like copper spoke to me. And he told me, Ben Odom, man, son of man. And he told me three things. See with your eyes. And hear with your ears. And put it in your heart. All that I am about to show you. Why? First of all, the angel is teaching us that a person, when he gets something and he has an idea, a thought, or learning something, you must do all three. It must be something you see with your own eyes, you hear with your own ears, and you put it in your own heart. And that it's done from your heart. Not out of anger, not out of hate. Why did he show him this? Why did he want him to pay such great attention to every last detail? I brought you here so you should show. And therefore, Hage is called Yisrael Yisrael. You are to tell the Jews that you saw this house of God. Why? Because this was 14 years after the destruction of the Holy Temple. And the Jews were in a total loss. The house of Solomon, the house of Shlemah was destroyed. And although several years later the second Beis Amidish was built, that too was destroyed. However, Yechezkel was shown by the angel the third temple, the third Beis Hamikdash, which will come with Mashiach speedily tonight. And the entire constructed Beis Hamikdash, what happened? He what? The entire constructed edifice will be lowered down. Says the angel to Yechezkel, it is very pertinent and important that you turn to the nation and tell them, I have good news to tell you the Mashiach is on his way. I have good news to tell you that although you look like and feel like we're desolate and we're forlorn and forsaken, Without the Holy Temple, I've come to tell you that the Temple is built. I've seen it with my eyes. I've been taught about it. And I've learned all about it. And I can give you every little last detail and dimension. So that you should feel stronger. You should feel appeased. You should know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's not an oncoming train, Chas that is a posuk in Yechezkel, a Mishnah in Mesechtes Midois. Mesechtes Midois is the Mishnayis that teaches us about the construction of the Holy Temple. Different than Yechezkel, where in Yechezkel it talks about the third temple, in Midois it talks about the second. The first Mishnah tells us there were 24 
security situations, places. Three were watched by the priests, the Kahanim. Twenty-one watched by the Levites, the Levian. One of the places the Levian would watch was Al-Khamisha Sha'orei HaAzara, the five gates going into the courtyard. So says the first Mishnah in Mishnayis Midas. However, we go a little further to the fourth Mishnah, and the fourth Mishnah says, Shiva, Sha'arim Hayuba Azara. There were seven gateways to the courtyard. So obviously the Tana that spoke in the first Mishnah is not the same Tana that speaks in the fourth. And therefore ultimately there is a contradiction between the first Tana and the second. The first one held there were five gates and he says that Loshan, Chamisha there were five Al Chamisha Share Ha'azara on the five gates of the Azara. The five meaning only these five, excluding there were no others. Masha'in came, the other Tana who holds there were seven gates, does not argue on how many Leviim were watching over it. He still agrees that there were 21 Leviim watching. However, instead of watching all seven gates into the Azara, they were only watching five. We hear a story from Eliezer ben Yaakov. In the second Mishnah, Eliezer ben Yaakov tells us his uncle, his, fa- his mother's brother, was a lady. And this lady was ha- a Levi, a Levi. And as a Levi, he had the appointment to sit overnight and to, to watch. He was a security in one of the 21 places. He fell asleep. He fell asleep on his guard. What happened? There was a man called Ish Harabayis. And Ish Harabayis went around checking on all the guards. But he was a very, very kind person. And although he knew how severe it was a sin for a Levite to fall asleep on his guard, he tried to find a merit. And he therefore, it says, first of all, Avukes Delkin the fun of. He sent torches in front of him. So when the room lit up, maybe that would wake up the person before he got there. When he got to the Levi, and he didn't stand up, the Isharabai is called out to him, Shalom Elecho, peace unto you, my brother. And if that didn't wake him, says Eliezer ben Yaakov, my uncle once fell asleep. And the punishment from the Isharabayas, according to the Mishnah, is after beating him, they lit his clothes on fire. Yes. And this is the punishment, says the Mishnah, of the Levi, who falls asleep on his guard. 
his clothes get burnt and he gets beaten. In the Rambam, in the Halakhas of Hilkas Beis Abkhira, there are six mitzvahs. Three are positive and three are negative. We must fear the Holy Temple. This is a mitzvah saseh. The fact that one must fear the temple is a mitzvah saseh, a mitzvah that we must do. The temple, on Temple Mount, no construction was done. All construction was done off the mountain. In the area of the Holy Temple, no sounds were heard of axes, of saws, of anything of the sort. All the construction, all the cutting down of the stones, except for the stones used for the altar, for the walls, or for the, anything else, all those stones were cut down and sized off outside the temple. And then they were brought into the temple for the construction. They were heavy, they were severely big, but this is what was used This is what was used for the construction of the Holy Temple. And the law that the Rambam says that we're discussing here is that once the Beis Hamikdash was built in Yerushalayim, it was prohibited for any other house of Hashem to be constructed anywhere outside of Jerusalem. Today we have shuls which represent the holy temple the place of worship that we sit and daven that we sit and learn these all replace at the moment the destructed temple which will hopefully speedily as we said tonight will be rebuilt as we said these days will be reverted and turned over to days of happiness and joy. And we will will merit to see Bayez Ashlishi, the third Beis Hamikdash, tonight in Yerushalayim, Mira Kodesh, with Mashiach Tzidkenu. Amen. Shabbat Shalom to all. Not 2K4, 2K14. The rock, it's called the Rock of Hopkins. So he tells me, oh, yeah. so, so he goes, okay, this, the kids are sleeping in there. Um,